some people wouldn't like that I was different It never really mattered how hard it would be Cause she filled me with love and the strength to leave She said, that kid's a flame Said, that kid's a flame He's gonna burn something down if he get in his way I came to light it It's time for our reading in the New Testament. And today it comes from the book of Matthew, chapter 22, verses 1 through 33. As we take a brief overview of what we're going to be reading about, we'll see that in this culture, two invitations were expected when banquets were given. The first asked the guests to attend. The second announced that all was ready. In this story, the king invited his guests three times, and each time they rejected his invitation. But God wants us to join Him at His banquet, which will last for eternity. That's why He sends us invitations again and again. Have you accepted His invitation to trust in Jesus? 
Now, it was customary for wedding guests to be given wedding clothes to wear to the banquet. It was unthinkable to refuse to wear these clothes. That would insult the host, who could only assume that the guest was arrogant and thought he didn't need these clothes, or that he didn't want to take part in the wedding celebration. The wedding clothes picture the righteousness needed to enter God's kingdom, the uh, total acceptance in God's eyes that Christ gives every believer. Christ has provided these clothes of righteousness for everyone, but each person must choose to put them on in order to enter the king's banquet, that is, eternal life. This is an open invitation, but we got to be ready, and we got to be properly dressed. All right, let's read all about it now, here in the New Testament. February 2nd, the New Testament. Matthew chapter 22, verses 1 through 33. Jesus also told them other parables. He said, The kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a king who prepared a great wedding feast for his son. When the banquet was ready, he sent his servants to notify those who were invited, but they all refused to come. So he sent other servants to tell them, The feast has been prepared, the bulls and fattened cattle have been killed, and everything is ready. Come to the banquet. But the guests he had invited ignored them and went their own way, one to his farm, another to his business. Others seized his messengers and insulted them and killed them. The king was furious, and he sent out his army to destroy the murderers and burn their town. And he said to his servants, The wedding feast is ready, and the guests I invited aren't worthy of the honor. Now go out to the street corners and invite everyone you see. So the servants brought in everyone they could find, good and bad alike, and the banquet hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to meet the guests, he noticed a man who wasn't wearing the proper clothes for a wedding. Friend, he asked, how is it that you are here without wedding clothes? But the man had no reply. Then the king said to his aides, bind his hands and feet, and throw him into the outer darkness for there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. Then the Pharisees met together to plot how to trap Jesus into saying something for which he could be arrested. They sent some of their disciples, along with the supporters of Herod, to meet with him. Teacher, they said, we know how honest you are. You teach the way of God truthfully. You are impartial and don't play favorites. Now tell us what you think about this. Is it right to pay taxes to Caesar or not? But Jesus knew their evil motives. You hypocrites, he said. Why are you trying to trap me? Here, show me the coin used for the tax. When they handed him a Roman coin, he asked, Whose picture and title are stamped on it? Caesar's, they replied. Well then, he said, Give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar, and give to God what belongs to God. His reply amazed them, and they went away. That same day Jesus was approached by some Sadducees, religious leaders who say there is no resurrection from the dead. They posed this question. Teacher, Moses said, if a man dies without children, his brother should marry the widow and have a child who will carry on the brother's name. Well, suppose there were seven brothers, the oldest one married and then died without children. So his brother married the widow. But the second brother also died, and the third brother married her. This continued with all seven of them. Last of all, 
the woman also died. So tell us, whose wife will she be in the resurrection? For all seven were married to her. Jesus replied, Your mistake is that you don't know the Scriptures, and you don't know the power of God. For when the dead rise, they will neither marry nor be given in marriage. In this respect, they will be like the angels in heaven. But now as to whether there will be a resurrection of the dead, haven't you ever read about this in the Scriptures? Long after Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob had died, God said, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. So he is the God of the living, not the dead. When the crowds heard him, they were astounded at his teaching. Psalm 27, verses 1 through 6. Now we'll read about the fact that fear is a dark shadow that envelops us and ultimately imprisons us within ourselves. Everyone has been a prisoner of fear at one time or another. Fear of rejection, misunderstanding, uncertainty, sickness, even death. But we can conquer fear by trusting in the Lord who brings salvation. If we want to dispel the darkness of fear, let us remember with the psalm writer that the Lord is my light and my salvation. Now, by uh, the term the house of the Lord and his temple, David could be referring to the tabernacle in Gibeon, to the sanctuary he had built to house the Ark of the Covenant, or to the temple that his son Solomon was to build in the future. David probably had the temple in mind because he made many of uh, the plans for it. David may also have used the word temple to refer to the presence of the Lord. David's greatest desire was to live in God's presence each day of his life. Now, sadly, this is not the greatest desire of many who claim to be believers. What do you most desire? Do you look forward to being in the presence of the Lord? Psalm 27, verses 1 through 6, a psalm of David. The Lord is my light and my salvation, so why should I be afraid? The Lord is my fortress, protecting me from danger, so why should I tremble? When evil people come to devour me, when my enemies and foes attack me, they will stumble and fall. Though a mighty army surrounds me, my heart will not be afraid. Even if I am attacked, I will remain confident. The one thing I ask of the Lord, the thing I seek most, is to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, delighting in the Lord's perfections and meditating in His temple. For He will conceal me there when troubles come, he will hide me in his sanctuary. He will place me out of reach on a high rock. Then I will hold my head high above my enemies who surround me. At his sanctuary I will offer sacrifices with shouts of joy, singing and praising the Lord with music. Proverbs chapter 6, verses 20 through 26. My son, obey your father's commands, and don't neglect your mother's instruction. Keep their words always in your heart. Tie them around your neck. When you walk, their counsel will lead you. When you sleep, they will protect you. When you wake up, they will advise you. For their command is a lamp, and their instruction a light. Their corrective discipline is the way to life. It will keep you from the immoral woman, from the smooth tongue of a promiscuous woman, don't lust for her beauty. Don't let her coy glances seduce you, for a prostitute will bring you to poverty, 
but sleeping with another man's wife will cost you your life. This is this is Sean Hawk. I want to give a shout out to Brad, Dana, and Garrett. You're my family and you're my brothers. I love you guys. I'll see you soon. Thank you. Hello, this is Shannon Carpenter phasing up the phase two today. A um, little bit. Uh, I came into the refuge about 11 and a half months ago. Uh, best way to describe how my life was was um, underwater, being trapped underwater, um, seeing some light, not just not knowing which way to go. Uh, it's the best way to describe it. Uh, you'd find little air pockets, you'd get out, you'd be all right, and then, but then you'd just jump back in the water and just not being able to find anywhere to go. I uh, came into the refuge about 11 and a half months ago. Since then, um, I've gotten closer to the Lord. The refuge has totally restored my family, um, gave me the ability to connect with the Lord, and uh, just getting ready to prepare to launch the rest of my uh, I don't know I guess I guess the best thing to, to tell anybody that's going through the refuge is hang in there the time will go by pretty quick you uh, you'll see more results towards the end of it and um, just keep digging in Thanks. Good morning. This is Mike Wells, Phase 1 Pastor. I'm going to be taking today's devotional from Henry Blackaby's Experiencing God. The title of today's devotional is Discipleship is Christ in You. We're going to be reading from Colossians 1.27. Here's the verse. To them God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. The Heavenly Father's plan from the beginning of time was to place His eternal Son in every believer. If you are a Christian, all the fullness of God dwells in you. Christ's life becomes your life. When Christ lives in you, He brings every divine resource with Him. Every time you face a need, you meet it with the presence of the crucified, risen, and triumphant Lord of the universe inhabiting in you. When God invites you to become involved in His work, He has already placed His Son in you so that He can carry out His assignment through your life. This has significant implications for your Christian life. Discipleship is more than acquiring head knowledge and memorizing scripture verses. It is learning to give Jesus Christ 
total access to your life so he will be living his life through you or he will live his life through you. Your greatest difficulty will be believing that your relationship with Christ is at the heart of your Christian life. When others watch you face a crisis, do they see the risen Lord responding? Does your family see the difference Christ makes when you face a need? What difference does the presence of Christ make in your life? God wants to reveal himself to those around you by working mightily through you. He wants your family to see Christ in you each day. God wants to express his love through your life. There is a great difference between living the Christian life and allowing Christ to live his life through you. My prayer for us today is that we would allow Christ and his presence to have full access to every part of our life. That when we walk, it is because it's Christ that's in us. When we talk, it is because of the Christ that's in us. So that every move we make, that every decision we make, that every word we speak is life. And it's the life of Christ because He is in us. My prayer is that all access is given to Christ for us, the refuge, every part so that we may glorify the Father. The moon and stars, they wept. The morning sun was dead. The Savior of the world was fallen. His body on the cross, His blood poured out for us. The weight of every curse upon Him.
overcome.